birth of Jesus Christ came about this way after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of Mary, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Uh, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is being conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place. Oh, okay. There we go. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Uh, yeah, before I forget, um, Sarah's here from Montreal, which is fantastic, so make sure you get a chance to say hello to her afterwards, and we have also Kelsey, and we have Tristan here from, uh, from Kingswood, and so make sure that you get a chance to say hello to them. So it's nice to have them back. Let's just give them a vote. That's not home for Tristan, but you're halfway there, right? Actually, it's a long round trip, right? You're there, here, you're there. So, uh, anyways. Now, many of us have grown up with this passage as part of the Nativity story, year after year after year, and it fits like a set of well-worn Christmas pyjamas that you bring out year after year. But for some of us, this might be the first time of us hearing it, and it's new, it's interesting. Uh, we're not sure if it fits yet. We have to try it on and see if it works. And if you're new to this story, it's okay, because you actually might be at an advantage. Because what happens when you hear something over and over and over again is that it can lose its shape. It, it can become faded and worn. We can take it for granted. It, become, it can become so, so familiar that we forget it's even there, like an old pair of pajamas. Now, if you are new to this passage, then the disadvantage for you is that you don't really get what's going on here. It's like watching a movie, and you're into the movie, and then someone walks into the room, and they sit down, and for the next 15 minutes, all that you're hearing is, why is an eight-year-old shaving? What's the guy with the glinting tooth? Why do they keep on slipping on ice or marbles? And why were kids' movies in the 90s so violent? Okay, so if you walk in on a movie, you don't know the context, it can be confusing. So sometimes it's good to have a bit of a pause, and for someone watching the movie, you know, to bring you up to speed, so that you can enjoy the rest of the story. And that's kind of what we're doing this morning. And we're focusing on verse 22 and 23 of Matthew chapter 1. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22. So whether this story is familiar like an old pair of Christmas pajamas, or whether it feels a bit confusing like a movie that you've just walked in on, it's good to go back to the start of the story and see what's going on. Now, Matthew talks about what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. So, who is the prophet? The prophet is Isaiah. 
And where can we find his original words that are quoted in Matthew chapter 1? Well, we find them in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 that says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel, which is virtually word for word what we see in Matthew chapter 1. Now, we've, we've kind of sampled a bit of Isaiah here and there through this Advent season. And what we've learned is that the book of Isaiah is set against the backdrop of war or the threat of war. And as in the world in which we live, we, we, can, we can maybe empathize uh, or we can understand a little bit of what that might be like. So here's the story. The Assyrians are moving southwest. And they're wanting to make a move on the region of Palestine, because the region of Palestine, although it's small, it's like the middle piece of a jigsaw puzzle. If you can get to Israel and to Judah, that whole region, then you can use it as a staging ground for further conquest. Maybe, maybe even down to Egypt, for example. So Israel and Aram are freaking out. And what happens is that Israel and Aram, they ask Ahaz, who's the king of Judah. So, yeah, just to make clear, there are kind of three, three players at work here. It's the king of Aram, the king of Israel, and the king of Judah. Okay, and Aram and Israel are freaking out. Uh, and so they ask Ahaz, who's the king of Judah, to, you know, join with them to fend off this scary army of the Assyrians. And so in chapter 7... Um, Ahaz refuses. He says, no, I don't want to join in your coalition. And so what happens is in chapter 7, the Aram and the Israelite armies turn on Judah, and they actually attack them. They fail, but in the middle of that, all the people of Judah now start to really panic because they see that Israel and Aram are serious. And then God says to Isaiah who's a prophet of Judah, he says that everything's going to be okay. Even though everyone's afraid, everything will be okay. That this coalition of Aram and Israel will not succeed. And then God pronounces these amazing words that I think we can all take to heart uh, when we're tempted you know, to give in to fear. He says this, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. And then to encourage them even further, God then says to Ahaz, who's the king of Judah, these words, he says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol, which is the grave, or as high as heaven. Now, I remember years ago that Wendy and I uh, went, to, went to Kingston, Ontario, on a break, or we were there for church meetings, or something like that. And during some of our off time, we went to downtown Kingston. And I don't know if you've ever been to downtown Kingston, but there's a lot of one ways, right? And uh, for out of towners like me, it can be pretty confusing. And so there was this one time that I accidentally turned onto a one way street going the wrong way. And uh, I don't know why, but I totally missed the sign. I didn't see it at all. And then I look back in my rear view mirror and I can see the sign there, but now it's too late. You see, once you've made a commitment, there's no, no going back, because in Kingston, the only way to really go back is to reverse onto a busy street. And so I kind of sped up 
hoping I could make that turn you know, before someone else showed up on the right way, the one-way street, but unfortunately that didn't happen, and so there was uh, a very frustrated local driver and an embarrassed Welshman who was just wanting to get the heck out of this. If only I paid attention to that sign. And Ahaz is in a tough situation. Either join Israel and Aaron as, um, as a part of the coalition um, against this nation of Assyria, or risk the wrath of this larger nation, the nation of Assyria. Or you could refuse to join in the coalition and hope that Assyria, when they come, have mercy on Judah. Right? So King Ahaz is in a tough spot. He's between a rock and a hard place. Or as one author says, he says Ahaz is torn between two fears. He's panic-stricken in the face of the evasion by Aram and Israel, but he's even more fearful of joining them against Assyria. Now, I wonder whether you've ever felt like this before. That you're in trouble if you do, or you're in trouble if you don't. For me, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, that uh, we'd get into these fights at home, and sometimes holes would appear in walls. And when that happened, what do you do? You know, you either try to hide it, and then it gets found out later and you're in trouble, or you just leave it as it is and your parents come home and you're in trouble. So, what are the options? He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that's what Ahaz, that's where Ahaz is right there. But in the midst of all this, God comes to Ahaz and he says to him, I am with you you. And even better, what God says to Ahaz, he says, I want to show you that I'm with you. It's not only words, I actually want to prove to you that I'm with you, and so ask me for any sign, any sign at all, and I will do it for you. What an incredible offer from a gracious God. In a time of doubt and fear and struggle, God says, I'm with you, and I will show you that I'm right here. So what's Ahaz's response? Verse 12, but Ahaz replied, oh, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Now on the surface, this sounds like a statement of faith. Like, wasn't it Jesus himself who said, it's also written, do not test the Lord your God. Right? So Ahaz seems to be doing something good. Way to go, Ahaz, for your faith. You're an example. You all want to walk in your steps. But that's not what's going on here. It's not faith. Ahaz is saying this because he's already made up his mind. He already knows what he's about to do. He's already met with his advisors and he's reached a conclusion. And that conclusion is to parley, is to reach an agreement with the mighty nation of Assyria. So let Israel and Aram fight their war, but Judah is going to face the facts and be pragmatic. Right? We've heard this saying, uh, it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. But Ahaz believed the opposite. It's better to live on your knees than to die on your feet. Because really, in Ahaz's mind, these are the only two options. Either kowtow to Assyria or die. But in the midst of this, God is saying to him, what about option three? What about trusting me? What about asking me for a sign? It can be the most ludicrous sign, and I will prove to you that I'm with you and everything's going to be okay. You know, he could have asked him to make it rain on a sheepskin or on the ground. He 
He could have asked him to pause the sun in the sky. He could have asked him to put a rainbow in the sky. He could have uh, made food drop from heaven, right? He could have made a jar of food that never runs out, right? God did stuff like that. Now, I'd like to think that if I'd have had this offer, I'd have had fun with it. Like, if I really believed that God wanted me to give, or God wanted to give me a sign, maybe I'd have said something like, okay, God, make a rainbow, spell my name in the sky. That's what I want. Or make the next person who walks around the corner hop on one foot and give me a high five. That's what I want. That's how I want you to prove that you're with me. Or make me win the lottery without buying a ticket, right? That's what I would like, God. If you could do that, I will believe that everything's going to be okay. That could have been fun, but Ahaz refuses because he's already made his, his decision and he's counted God out of the equation absolutely. And Isaiah, God's prophet of Judah, is not pleased. He says, he says this, Ahaz, listen. Or uh, Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. This is the context for this Matthew chapter 1 reading. You know, God says, I've asked you, I, I've said that you can have a sign. You said no. God says, I'm going to give you a sign anyways. You're going to get it whether you like it or not. Now, there's a lot that we could say here, but for our purposes this morning, what God really does is he gives him a good news and bad news scenario. You know, the good news is that God says in verse 16 that the alliance of Israel and Aram will be defeated. That is the good news. But then in verse 17 of Isaiah chapter 7, God says this, Assyria is coming. And they are not your friends. You're hoping that they will be your friends, but they're not your friends. And things are going to get very dark for Judah very, very soon. Now, like I said, we could say a lot more about the context of Isaiah chapter 7. But instead, what I want to do is to take Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And I want to use it as kind of a portal or a bridge Forwards to Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Because I believe that the context for understanding Isaiah chapter 7 is important in us understanding how it's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. So, whether or not, or whether Matthew chapter 1 feels like a well-worn pair of pyjamas, or confusing like a movie that you've walked in halfway through, hopefully, you know, we're starting to see that the, maybe it's starting to make a little bit more sense. I'm not sure. But what this means for us is, is this, is, is that just as God wanted to go all in for Ahaz, God wants to go in all in. God wants to go all in for us. And just as God has promised to be, just God, as God had promised to be there for Ahaz, so God promises to be there with us. And just as God offered a sign to Ahaz that he wasn't alone, so God offers us a sign that we are not alone, that we do not have to go through life alone or struggling with zero help at all. 
And this sign is Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. That is our sign, Emmanuel, God is with us. That's what Matthew 1, verse number 23 says. The sign for us that we are not alone is that Jesus is with us. You see, every day we're caught in impossible situations, having to make really hard decisions that we do not feel that we have the qualifications to make. Maybe it's, it's parenting. And these years are just really, really tough and we don't know what to do. Maybe it's been the, the children of parents who are growing old and we don't know what to do. Maybe it's the loneliness of an empty house over Christmas and we don't know what to do. Maybe it's issues of addiction with someone that we love and we don't know what to do. Maybe it's growing up in a world that is confusing and our parents feel out of touch and we don't know what to do. Maybe it's the pressure for buying, um, of buying uh, presents for our loved ones, all the while knowing that we're going further and further into debt and we don't know what to do. Maybe it's personal sin or personal darkness that feels it's approaching us like an army and we don't know what to do. And so it's easy for us, friends, you know, to feel like we're trapped in the walls of Jerusalem. And we've just been attacked by Israel and Aram, and we managed to fend them off, but now we find that, that Assyria, a much larger enemy, is on its way. And it feels like it's easier just to give in, to make an alliance, to choose a side, to choose the lesser of two evils, to submit to the this force that we know we cannot fend off. But friends, in that moment, if you feel like you're in that moment, God has given you a sign. Whether you like it or not, whether you've asked for it or not, God has given you a sign. And it's the sign of a baby, born of a virgin, in a manger, in a cave, 2,000 years ago. A sign that God has not given up on us that God has not given up on you. A sign that God loves you. For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is our sign, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And friends, all you have to do is to follow this sign. So when we read Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. We read this in the context of Isaiah chapter 7 and we also read it in the context of our own impossible situations where there is no way out humanly speaking and we all have a choice this morning which is to give in to fear like ahaz and to give and to make harmful alliances that ruin our souls or we can trust god we can trust jesus we can reach out to him and we can say thank you Father God for sending Jesus. 
Thank you for this sign. Thank you for this sign that you aren't done with us yet. Thank you for this sign that is both perfectly God and perfectly man. A sign that you want to make peace with us through the cross. And so, Lord, would you help us fight our battles through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. This is Jesus' job description. This is why he came. He will save his people from their sins. So if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, Jesus is always option three. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is a sign. And what do you do with a sign? You follow it. 